This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Do you find it challenging working on your collector car? Advantage Lifts has the solution for you with their selection of two and four post lifts. Advantage's two post lifts provide an unparalleled amount of versatility. Each wheel can spin freely and be worked on individually, and you'll have full access to those hard-to-reach parts of the undercarriage. And best of all, Advantage's two post lifts are ready to ship now. Get $100 off by using code TCCP for the Collector Car Podcast. Again, that's TCCP. You can find your perfect Advantage lift by calling 763-300-5730. That's 763-300-5730. And don't forget to use the promotional coupon code TCCP. CCP. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. Well, welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. We are digging deep into Monterey sale, and there's a ton of Ferraris coming our way uh, for the big August sale. I did the math, and uh, the low estimate on these cars is $103 million, and that's just the Ferraris up to $126 million. So I wanted to talk about this, but I know sometimes you get tired of my voice, so I invited a Ferrari expert. I'd like to introduce Tom Young. Tom, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Greg? Good, good. It's great to have you on. Uh, we've met a couple times on the concourse field, and uh, I know I love Ferraris. I'm becoming a Ferrari expert somewhat on the 275s, uh, but I know you're an expert on a lot of these other ones, and we can see in the background there, you got some cool cars. So why don't you tell us a little about, about what you do with Ferraris in the entire Ferrari world? All right. Well, um, I, you know, I started this as a newbie. I guess everybody starts with Ferraris as a newbie. And uh, overnight, I've turned into an old timer, I guess, because uh, the car behind you here, let me flip this camera around. Sure. Kind of started the whole thing was this 330 America. So, um, you know, I found this car 20 years ago in, uh, in boxes and pieces. And, uh, you know, just like everybody, I want a Ferrari. What's it going to take for me to, to get a Ferrari? And, and I found this thing uh, for sale and it was a part and I had the, uh, a mentor teach me how to put it together and, and, um, and that's it, you know, kind of, kind of did this and through the process that I thought was only going to take a year, which took eight years to put this together, uh, <laughs> I uh, kind of fell in love with working on these cars and um, I decided to quit my day job and, and, and do this for a living and, and work on Ferraris. I mean, my mentor ended up being my boss and, and uh, we, we worked together. We still do um, through the years as he's gotten older um, I'm, I'm doing more of it by myself, but, uh, still collaborate, co- collaborate with him. He's down in Connecticut. His name is Francois Sicard. And, uh, nowadays I'm, I'm doing a lot more of it in, in, uh, in, in upstate New York, uh, a couple hours north of New York city. So, um, what I do is I kind of tore a page out of his book, which is just deal with only vintage Ferrari. I, I, we joke about it. It's like, if it's, if it's got a carburetor in it then I'll work on it, but uh, yeah. if it, if it's got anything else, um, it's usually better to have somebody else work on it, but I, it's just all I do is vintage Ferrari. So what I have in the shop is anything from a restoration paint job, you know, like that car is uh, just a, a four headlight car that that's just a, a tune up and a service. Then I have cars that are in from paint, you know, we're doing, re, uh, I'm doing the, uh, reassembly and, 
and and putting it all back together. Uh, you know, you put all the chrome and the lights, and eventually this will go down to my upholster and and uh, put the interior back together. Wow. Um, I've got another car that's here. You know, same same situation. So it's kind of like a, a one man show. I'm, I'm trying to keep everybody happy, but I'm sure everybody in the business is just busy, busy, busy. You know, and uh, and for instance, like this Lusso is is uh, is going to be out in Monterey. It's going out for the Casa Ferrari event. So I'm I'm kind of taking care of it. Eventually, it's going to get on a truck and and head out to uh, you'll you'll if you go to Monterey, you'll probably see this on the lawn at the at the Casa Ferrari event. Um, that's amazing. Then, that's a that's a great color combination on that Lusso. And real quick, because I don't think I've ever seen it, what color is on that Dino? Oh, so this Dino is, uh, I think the owner picked the color. It's not really, I believe it's like a Fiat color. It's not really a, um, a, a you know, I think he picked it. it was okay. just, uh, and I didn't paint the car. So it came to me because it just needed mechanical service after he had it painted. It just wasn't running right sure. after they did the body work. So it came to me and I, I got it kind of tuned. And I hate to say it, I've probably driven this car more than the owner has in the last couple of years because <laughs> this hasn't had time and it's been, you know, kind of staying here. So I've been trying to keep it exercised and stuff. A lot of these guys, what they do is they'll send a car to me and, and uh, the thing is life gets in the way. We had COVID and all of a sudden the car ends up not going anywhere and I end up stuck with it. So, you know, you carbureted cars, you kind of have to drive them and use them or else they get worse. Yeah. So that's I, a, I find my, yeah. That's tough, man. I got to drive this Ferrari this afternoon. It's part <laughs> we, of the job. It sounds, it sounds so bad, but like most of us who do this, we always complain because, you know, I probably have three or four cars in here that have to be driven. And, and then my car, I don't get to drive my car. And, and uh, now I'm taking this car up to the Ferrari um, event up in Montremblant. I heard you're going, or you, you're going to try to go. I can't make um, it, unfortunately. Oh. And, uh, it's horrible. Okay. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a Mustang guy. So okay. I just got to look at that little 65 fastback yeah. back there for yeah, a second. Yeah. That looks no, nice. I've had, this car, I've had this car since 91. I've had this car for a long time. It was, uh, I, I used, when I was in high school, I had a coupe. And uh, just a plain Jane C4 automatic coupe. And when this thing came up, I was like, I'm going to spend the same amount of money fixing my coupe as opposed to a fastback. This is a four-speed fastback. So uh, I, I sold the coupe and, and bought this. Uh, and it's been great. I mean, I love these cars. This car is like an old leather jacket. I mean, you just you just put it on. You take it out, drive it. it you can fix it with a pair of pliers and a screwdriver. I mean, it is so simple. And then the ironic thing of that, because when I compare... That Mustang with a Ferrari, they're like the same car, kind of. Like when you think about it, front engine, rear drive, four-speed transmission, live rear axle, you know, a couple hundred horsepower or thereabouts. And, and it's just interesting how like these were built at the same time. Yep. But then at the same time, like this Mustang at 80 or 75, 80, air gets underneath it. It starts to like wave and, you know, get, it starts to get a little loose. The Ferrari at like 85, it starts to settle in and then all of a sudden it'll do a hundred and it still will be rock solid. So like you, you really start to compare like the differences. The, the Mustang is super fast, zero to 60, but then once it gets above 70 or 80, yeah. it's kind of like out of its element, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I love the car. It's great. I mean, it's just so reliable. It's the most reliable thing. I mean, I, I never have to fix it. I just, you know, put gas in it and drive it. Yeah. I love the American racing wheels on it. Those, uh, what are they called? Torque D's? I don't know. Yeah, but they're... The, yeah the torque, torque trustees. Yeah, they just. Yeah. Uh, I wanted the car. It's not like a bullet car because everybody has the 67s, but but the uh, or the 68s rather. But it's kind of like homage to like I I hot I didn't hot rod it, but I made it into like this is what you would have done 
you would have lowered because I lowered it to Shelby specs. I've put the the stiffer springs in the back, you know, and it and it just it drives so well. And it just and of course I I hopped up the motor a little, put aluminum heads sure. on it, so real easy to make them fast, just fast enough to feel like you should be cruising the high schools with them. <laughs> well, this is an episode all about Ferrari, so I will tell yeah, you. Yeah, sure. I'll tell you my uh, Ford Fastback Hypo story after our interview here. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, so. I'm sure you and I, as always, we get together, we can talk about cars and all sorts of stuff. And I'm not, although I work on Ferraris for a living, I love all cars. I mean, I got all sorts of stuff. You know, my collection is, you know, this is the one Ferrari that's in my collection, but certainly, you know, the, the Mustang's mine. I also into Porsches. So, so it's like, uh, I think we're just into cars. Yeah, we are totally. Yep. Well, let's go over. I know you put together a list of five or six Ferraris. Uh, I just basically said, hey, pick something from our Monterey list that you would like to talk about and, uh, you know, go from there. So I know you did not necessarily talk about the big $25 million 410 uh, Sport Spider, which is fine because we'll cover that on another episode. So sure. um, if you would kind of give me your list or let's go through your list and I'll, yeah, uh, let's do this. I'll ask so my I, newbie I, questions. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I looked at the list and, you know, as always, Monterey has like every Ferrari you could think of. So, I mean, it's, it's quite a, quite a list. And, and I kind of stuck away. I, I kept away from the, from the really high dollar stuff because it's like, who can really afford, I mean, what, what, what's high dollar, right? Everything's right, like six right. figures now. So we're talking like seven, multiple seven figure cars. I mean, I, I, I love them. I think they're fantastic, but like, honestly, um, you know, they're, they're kind of out of reach. So, so what I looked at and they're starting to get expensive. My first one on the list, I guess if we went to the first choice would be the F40. I don't think there is like any question about an F40 being uh, one of the coolest cars right now for so many reasons. Everybody's yeah. talking about them. You know, the last car that's like no trash control, crazy gonzo turbos, they come on and you just got to hold on. Um, I was, I have a customer of mine that I was talking to about uh, three years ago and I was like, you got to buy an F40. I mean, I know they're a million dollars, but you got to trust me. They're, they're going to take off. They're the best. Yeah. And, and we actually went and looked at a couple of them and he just couldn't, he just couldn't really do it. He just, he just like, yeah, it's a little much. And I kept saying, God, these are such great cars. And I had the pleasure of driving them because I went out yeah. and checked a couple of them. I went out to California to look at one. I was out in Philly to look at one. And um, so every time I drove another one, I was just like, oh my God, like this is exactly <laughs> what I've been saying. And, and he just couldn't do it. And now today they're two, two, you know, yes. they're, they're two, two and more. I mean, yeah. I have a customer of mine that just bought one. And, and, uh, and he's like, uh, you know, I was sweating it when we had to close the deal. And I'm thinking, are we overpaying for this car? Are we, are we just, do we just spend the most money anybody's ever spent on an F40? Right. Literally three months later, he's like, did you see how much you're selling for now? Yeah. Like, it's like, I want to take credit for it. But there was times that I was really sweating. Like, did I, did I advise him to spend too much money? And now we're like the smartest people in the room. You know? Yeah. So, uh, and, and I know we don't have all the specs for the cars yet on that are selling. We just know that there's a really pristine F40 coming to Monterey. And to your point, I had a, a client that was looking, didn't want to spend over 990. You know, I don't know why that was yeah. his number. And that's when yeah. they were one, 1.1, 1.2. And I'm like, that boat sailed. And what's ironic, I, ours is 2.5 to 2.9. So it's on the upper right. end there. And I think it's a pretty sure. low mile, mile car. Well, and the I was trick in the F40s. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was just going to say I was in a collection and I saw one that was pristine. The fabric seats were great, which is hard to find in one of those F40s. And it only had 1,400 miles. And I thought, wow, that's that's incredible. Then, 
you know, three months later, I saw one that was bought new and only has 400 miles on it. So there's still a few unicorns out there. So when you think, that's one of the things that Ford is, is that, you know, but one of the reasons why they're so great is because they're unbelievable to drive. And yet yeah. we're celebrating the fact that they have like five, I had, the one that I just got has 5,000 kilometers on yeah. it. And like, to me, it's like, wait a minute we're celebrating the wrong thing we're celebrating the fact that nobody drove this car i know it's i would drive the heck out of it, it. <laughs> oh my god I, I you know i have stories that i'll tell you later but you know test driving these f40s and of course you're trying to be respectful and everything but you kind of have to get on them to see if they they pull strong and then they're not you know shaky or any of that crazy stuff but man when those those turbos come on it is yeah. just unbelievable and and uh you know the the other thing i was going to say and we'll, we can talk about F40s forever, but I'll try to make it short. But the F40, there is nothing on the road that you are going to be mistaken for in anything but yeah. an F40. There is nothing. You can't be mistaken for anything else. There's nothing that has that angular wedge shape. Nothing has the tail that high. I mean, F50s have that 90s look with the of the gumdrop shape. And the, you know, there's, there's shapes about the F50 that are, that are kind of like in other cars. Because you know, a lot of other people, like Jaguar XK220s, had that like look that nose, the shape, the round headlights, you know, or the, the, the curved edges, you know, you look at other cars that are supercars, you know, yeah, McLaren F1. Okay. That's, that's a specific shape, but a lot of cars sort of copy that. No one's copied that F40. Yeah. Like there's nothing right. else that says, Oh, they took that from the F40. They took those NACA ducks and put them on the, on this car. No one did it. So you're going to, you're going to drive a car in which when you show up to anything, there is no one's going to say, is that a 288 GTO could be a 308. Is that right. a, you know, like it just, it just doesn't look like yeah. anything. Yeah, so you're right. another reason. And I actually find it a beautiful car. I like it more than the F50. I like it more yeah. visually than the Enzo. I don't know. Yeah. I like that 288 GTO, but you have a good point. It does look a lot like the 308. So, but nothing looks like the F40. I mean, there's no. something has that drop nose that goes all the way down and those pop up. I mean, obviously nobody makes pop up headlights. So you're really locking yourself into a, such a different car that no one follows or, or looks at, you know? So, yeah. so I think it's, it's, it's really, and it's just crazy. It's stupid. It's like the wing is huge. The <laughs> craziness of the yeah. thing. There's like the glass. And, yeah. 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 So yeah. It's, it's a great car. So, uh, okay. So let's move on. So the second sure. one is kind of going the other direction, which is uh, the 1965 yellow, the, the short nose 275 GDB. Um, yep. You know, they're four cams and they're long noses and everybody. I, I like the short nose cars. I mean, um, we could get into the specifics because I, so, I work on this. Describe for our listeners who don't know the difference. I mean, it sounds mm -hmm. obvious, short nose, long nose. Sure, describe sure. that for our Absolutely. So, so it kind of goes back to the whole thing. It was like the first Ferrari that they, the first 275 GTB they came out with was a short nose. So it had a larger grill um, and, and um, they, the nose was a little shorter. And um, through the design, and it, it, they realized that there was high speed lift. Like when the car was going above a certain amount of miles per hour, they felt that the car was air, air was going in through the open nose and it had the tendency to lift the car a little bit. So what Pinup uh, Farina did was they designed the next generation of that 275 GTB was they, they lengthened the nose, made the snout smaller. So there would be a less air, you know, the, the pressure area would then move. So the nose wouldn't lift as much at high speed. Okay, I get it. That's that's what racing is about. You definitely make design changes and all that other stuff. But like, when was the last time you drove at 100 miles an hour? Right. You know, I was looking at like people who have like a uh, you know when I I was really into Porsches and and uh, I I wanted my I had a 72 911 that I put like an S air dam on it and you put the ducktail on it and you start making it into an RS replica. Well, the reason why you got to put that air dam is because you know above 90 miles an hour you have high speed lift. And you got to have the ducktail in the back to keep the rear end down. And then, like, you started thinking about it. I was like, 
well, wait a minute. Like we don't drive a hundred miles right. an hour every day. <laughs> so why do I care if the front end lifts? It's like the only time I've ever felt the front end get light was on the track. So right. I did that to my car when I tracked it. But like, honestly, are you going to drive a long nose 275 GTB and say, oh yeah, I'm sure glad I'm driving the long nose because it doesn't <laughs> lift at high speed. A 275 GTB short nose, I think personally is a prettier car. It has the grill. The grill hasn't gotten really narrow. And it, you know, because they got it so small that you can't even put the Cavallino inside the grill. I mean, to me, a vintage Ferrari, the whole deal is that grill with with the prancing horse on the on the egg crate grill. Well, the 275 got rid of that because they made the grill so small. Right. You can't even put the, you know, to me, it's it's not like I care about bling, but it's it's a design thing that sure. is to, that says Ferrari. And, um, you know, there's a couple of other things mechanically that, that are different. They made upgrades. They went to a torque tube on the long noses, which tie the transmission and engine. But those are things that you can make a short nose mechanically better. Um, it's not like to me a deal killer. Some people say, oh, you know, it's got an open drive shaft. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm getting too technical, but it's like, uh, but you could, if you, if you know how to fix it, you could fix it. You know, it doesn't, it's not a deal killer. Got to have a long nose. I mean, yeah, the best one to me personally, um, mechanically is probably a long nose two cam torque tube car. Uh, because right. it's easier to work on and and good power doesn't need to be a four cam. Four cam people love the four cams because they spin higher and more horsepower, but that's a lot more mechanical complexity. That's true. And for our listeners who may be listening to this audio only, if you go to YouTube, I did put up some pictures of the difference between the long and short nose, so you can see exactly what Tom Great. is talking about. Yeah. All yeah, right. Sure. Well, let's so the next to, one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. So the next one I have is a two seventy five GTS. Um, it was the, and again, I'm sorry, guys, I'm sticking to vintage Ferraris, but it's kind of like what I know and what I love. Uh, 275 GTS is, is kind of like it came out the same time as the short nose, um, 275 GTB. It was the convertible version of it. Um, it's not as pretty as let's say a, a, a 330 GTS because they made that look more like a GTC. Uh, the 275 GTS people have accused it of looking like a, you know, a Fiat 124 and certain things like that, but it's still a pretty Ferrari. It's still um, a convertible. It's a V12, you know, convertible Ferraris. I give a little bit of a pass to simply because, you know, I, I think the top down changes the whole character yes. of the car, you know, it's like, uh, okay, so it doesn't handle as well. So what it's a little, you know, it's a little, you know, Cal shake and, and all that other stuff, but you know, it's a convertible. You, you can't have a conversation above 70 miles an hour on any vintage Ferrari convertible. So what right. difference is it making? You're not going to be <laughs> ripping up the back roads, you know, at 80, 90 miles an hour. It's, it's a convertible. That's, that's the whole point. So just a pretty car, you know, there's, they're all 60s cars have that really pretty, you know, uh, uh, amorphic shapes that, that, you know, move, not, not the angular stuff that came out later on, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a prettier shape. So, you know, that, that would be my pick for it for the 275 GTS. Yeah, and, let me uh, just let me just cover it. We have three 275s in the sale, and I just want to go over the estimates on these so our listeners get an idea. Uh, let's see, sure. the 275 GTB from 65, the estimate is 1.8 to 2. The 66 275 GTB C, that's a big dog car. That one is 7.5 to $9 million. And then the 2.5 GTS is 1.7 to 1.9. So does that right. sound about right with? Yep. Your, yep. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you do this long enough, you, you, we all have stories about when they were, they were a lot cheaper, <laughs> yes. you know? so I don't know if they're going to go keep going up, 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 but they seem you know, to track the trend that the, the slope is always rising. 
Yeah. Uh, they may dip a little bit, but you know, I, I have great stories of customers of mine says, you know, we should go take a look at this uh, 275 GPS. And I, I was in Westchester and I went and looked at it and it was rockers are rusty. And, and, and um, I said, I remember having, the, and we laugh about it today where we, we recall that conversation. Like, you know, for $165,000 and it's got rusty rockers, I think that's bullshit. You should never <laughs> buy that car because it was, and we love it. I was like, we, we passed on a 275 GPS because it was $165,000. That's crazy. It had right? a little bit of rust in it, you know, yeah. but who knew? You know, I didn't have $165,000 or else I might have thought about it. But, right. Uh, it was all the money. You know, uh, okay, so moving on. So it's kind of in the same same ilk as the 330 GTC. Um, okay. You know, yep. Coupe, it's a 330 engine, four liter V12. Uh, I think that the 330 GTC is, it, it's a pretty car. Um, it's not as beautiful as a 275 GTB. Um, it is, you know, GTBs just have this really, you know, beautiful shape, but yet has this aggressive, also aggressive stance and and it really has this feel of the racetrack because it has the cam tail cam tail from you know yeah. gives you that that you know all that racetrack technology of the 60s but the two 330 gtc is more of a gentleman's car it's kind of like a, a you know i look at it like just a, a gentleman that has good taste good power good torquey engine um has a transaxle so it's very similar to a 275 gtb in, in layout front engine uh transaxle car um gated shifter um but it it's it's a little bit more conservative in look right. it's not it's not you know voluptuous um it's uh it has a really good greenhouse you know uh outward view so you have really good uh you know visibility out of the car and it's understated. It doesn't. It doesn't really attract attention. I think sometimes uh, certain Ferraris, even to people who don't know anything about Ferraris, when they see a 275 GTB or any of that matter, you know, somehow people are attracted to them just simply from they've never seen that shape before. You or know, that Luso. Shop, you're Luso behind. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like this. I mean, I in my shop, I you know, I, I'm in a steel building where there's some people next door who don't know anything about cars, and occasionally you know, they'll, they'll wander over and uh, they might not know anything about cars. And I actually like that because we talk cars all the time. We see, I mean, it's like, oh boy, here's another Ferrari. I see them all day. I, I have to have that step out of that perspective and I'll get people to come in. And I'm, every person that comes in that knows nothing about Ferraris somehow stopped by the Dino because right. it is a pretty car because it, it has a shape that just doesn't, doesn't you know, that combination of, of height, you know, length and, and the curves on it just universally attracts people. And, and so, you know, I, I find that, that uh, you have to think back to what it's like to, to see it from a different perspective. Um, so, but on a GTC, it's, it's not as, you know, voluptuous, but right. yeah, it has all the stuff to it that makes it a great Ferrari. You know, the, the two cam engine, really easy to work on, a good transaxle car. It's got better brakes. The 330 GTC, if you really want to compare it to a 275 GTB, the 330 GTC has better brakes than the two. If they, if you could take a 275 GTB and put GTC brakes on it, which is possible, um, they make it a better car. 275 GTBs have the old Dunlop brakes. I mean, literally like months apart, and they put better brakes on the GTC, and it stops much better. I mean, wow. much better than a two than a 275. You know, I don't know if it's because people don't drive them and compare them, um, but 
like to me, I, I drive them all the time. And yeah, you definitely feel the difference in the brakes. Um, and and uh, I, I don't, I haven't tracked them, but if, if I could feel the difference in, on the street, there, there's a big difference. But you know, hey, listen, people have you know hung their hat on a couple million dollar car. They're not going to poop right. the brakes. <laughs> you know, so, but if I had the comparison, I, I, I've actually seen the comparison of the two. Dunlop brakes are, are kind of flaky because the way they're designed, they've, they've certainly come a long way with, with modern brakes, you know. So, and now uh, this this one's actually a little bit more affordable. So if I've got this right, let's see, 1967. The estimate on this one is 500 to 600. Yeah, so well, you know, and they're down. I mean, I think, I think honestly, <laughs> I think a 330 GTC is a is a pretty good buy right now because at the five years ago they were selling in the sevens. Mm. You know, so you 330 GTCs. Uh, you know, it's not that I I don't understand. I think the market's gotten a little soft, but there's certain cars. Everything kind of like moves and catches up. You know, and and right now I think the 330 GTC is 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 uh, a little slow to catch up. Things are starting to to move up again. You know, there's there's a little little blip in the market. Things kind of got you know came down a little bit. But the GTC, as far as a car is concerned, as far as a, a good value, I, I and I'm not even just trying to sell them. I I think they're I don't know why they're still in the fives. Right. Because they were in the sixes and the sevens. You know, really good ones. And then the 365 GTC, which is the rare last model, you know, whatever, I forget what 50 of that, but whatever with the bigger engine, you know, those things at one point were pushing, we were looking at them at the height of the market about five years ago. We're like, are they going to push into a million? Because they were selling for 850 right. and, and, and yeah. 900,000. So we were just like, wow, is that, is that GTC going to push into the million? It never did. I don't think they did. They were close. They were like nine and a half for the really expensive, beautiful, you know, restored ones. But I don't think they got that kind of money. Right. But right. so GTC, if they one day, one time were up there in the sevens, why wouldn't they go back there again? You know, they're good cars. It's not like they're because uh, that's a big question right now among vintage Ferrari owners that we're all having this discussion is like, are vintage Ferraris going to become like the Duesenbergs and the and and all those pre-war cars that, that all the owners are not like you know, I hate to say it, but they're aging out and there's right. nobody carrying them on. Nobody's going to pay you half a million for a car that doesn't, you can't just drive on the street. You know, I can't imagine, look, I mean, as much as it's nice and everything, I don't want to jump in a Marmon and go right. <laughs> and drive into town. I mean, as beautiful right. as that is, it's just not me. You know? right. So the big question is, are these vintage Ferraris, are they turning a corner where like all, everybody wants an F40? Everybody wants an F50. Everybody wants a McLaren, but everybody's like, "Oh, those those 330 GTCs are antiquated," um, and that's been a big discussion among us, seeing is what's going to happen in the market. And I look at it and I kind of disagree because I'm not saying that everybody wants one, but you know they still keep up with traffic. They still stop. They still go. They'll they're not like out of the way. They're not oversized like the pre-war stuff where they just don't equate. Um, so I still think that, that they're going to keep with the market. And especially, and this is the big other discussion that we're having is what's going to happen with gasoline? Are, are we no longer going to be able to run these cars? Yeah. But like my feeling is I would buy one now and drive the wheels off of it because I want to be that old timer where they, where people say to me 20 years or whatever, how many years, whatever you want to believe, where they's like, wait a minute, you took these cars and drove them a hundred miles on the road? Like if we miss this window, if let's say it's true and they do ban gas or they do ban it and we end up being private racetracks, all of this stuff, I want to be able to tell those stories. I drove these cars. Oh, yes. Yep. 
in the golden age, the very end of it. What are you waiting for? <laughs> like, what, what are we waiting for? What if they just pull the carpet out from under us and we don't? If they don't, we'll still have these cars and we'll still be able to drive them. Right. Like, I want to be able to tell my grandkids how cool it was to drive these cars. Right. I want to be oh, their hero. You know? Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, sorry to get off on a tangent, but that's, no, no, that's fine. So that was the 1967 Ferrari 330 GTC. What's next on your list? Yeah. So the next one is a 365 two plus GT two plus two. So otherwise known as the queen mother, not the queen Mary, who I've heard people call queen Mary. They got a mistake. The queen mother comes from uh, I think somebody in one of the uh, uh, trade bags wrote, you know, it's the mother, or the queen mother of all Ferraris because it was so big. Okay. Um, and and so the, that phrase kind of stuck with the car. Um, it, it's a big two plus two. It's a late 60s. I think the one that you guys had is uh, what, 69 or something like that. Um, they built yeah, we actually from have like, two of them, 69 okay. and 70. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're great GT cars. I mean, they... Through the years, the, the you know the the three thirty America that's in the background, which is basically a two fifty GTE, was the first you know production two plus two. Uh, Ferrari knew that that was their bread and butter. I mean, they sold you know more of those cars. I mean, for instance, that three thirty America that you see um, with the GTE production has probably made a thousand of those cars. Uh, the Lusso three hundred fifty. I mean, that's wow. what they made. Like the GTCs were three hundred. They were always like three three hundred fifty cars, but the two plus twos. They made thousands of them like this. So that model, they sold a thousand. Then basically the next model, the 332 plus twos, they sold a thousand of those, you know, and then, and then the 365. I mean, people say that the two plus twos funded Ferrari's Formula One, right. you know, racing because they sold, you know, three times as many of those cars than any other two seaters. Um, and they were the same price. I mean, if you walked into a dealership in 1964 and you wanted to buy, you know, you buy a Lusso or you buy a GT, they're the same price. Oh wow! And it's just like today. You go into yeah. a Ferrari dealership. You want to buy, uh, uh, you know, a two seater or or a, you know the FF or the or any of the any of the two plus twos. They're they're the same price as a two seater V twelve two seater. So it, it was a choice that you made. It wasn't like oh uh, well sometimes people Ferrari will make you buy the two plus two first before they put you on the <laughs> list true. for the two seater. But that's a whole other story. But honestly, they're the same price. So. Um, as far as back in the 60s, uh, when when they made these two plus twos, they just made them a little bit bigger and bigger and bigger because they were kind of like GT cars. They they were comfortably seat for people, air conditioning. The 365, the reason why I like them, I think they're still relatively affordable. Um, they very comfortable. They have air conditioning. They have power steering. They all came with air conditioning. They all came with power steering. They came with vented front rotors, big, heavy rotors that stop the car um, really well. Um, and and they, they're comfortable to drive. I've driven a, a couple of these long, long distances. I've driven you know, New York to Wisconsin for an meet wow. in there. I've driven down to Florida in one with another friend of mine. I mean, tons of mileage on it. And it just goes. I mean, that's what they're made for. They're made for cruising 70, 80, 90 miles an hour. Right, you sit right. back and... It's that five five speed transmission and you know air conditioning's going and and it's just it's just a wonderful cruising car. Um, another customer of mine just bought one uh, last summer and he's he's been driving it around the Hamptons and uh, one of the things that uh, he asked me to do was just make sure that the suspension is working and that because he was going to load up people and take people you know to dinner and stuff and he loves the car. It's like the perfect dinner party car because think about it you're out in the Hamptons 
you know, you're out there on a summer evening and you're going to take, you know, your, you and your, a couple of two couples to dinner. Well, let's take the Ferrari. And you roll in. I mean, you just got to imagine how cool that would be to roll into some hot Hamptons restaurant in your in your 365, and that out you get out with four of you. Out, you know, it's the perfect car. He yeah. loves it. It's just like I, I got you know. This is like I got to get another one of these things. I love it so <laughs> much, you know. So, uh, so it's it's a cool car, you know. And roll into a, you know, how what's what could be bad about rolling into a place with a 365, you know, with four people coming out of comfortably coming out of it. It's not like a Porsche. Where you're trying to, you know, you're, you're trying to squeeze somebody into the back seat. These are really, you know, I wouldn't drive across. Oh, some people have driven across the country in these things with four people, but the thing is, you know, you could easily sit in the back and not, you know, do a, you know, 20 minute drive and not completely be folded up in one of these things. You can actually sit back there for an hour or so and yeah. and, and 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 use it. So it's it's a it's a real two plus two. It's not it's not like the the Porsche definition or the modern right. like a Mustang two plus two. You know, it's just you know these these kind of like funny little seats that they count as a real seat. They're real seats in the back. So that's another car that that I think is great. Um, yeah, it's yeah. a little long. It's the longest car I've worked on. But uh, once you get used to them, they're, they're really they're really fun to drive. And just from an estimate perspective, they must be in slightly different condition. We have one that's the '69 is two twenty five to two fifty. So like you said, mm-hmm. much more reasonable. And then the 1970 is 275 to 325, so it must be a right. condition related. Yeah, right. and yeah. you know they're 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 all over the place. I mean, if you if you don't make the auction here, you could still find them every once in a while. You know, obviously buy the best one you can. Um, you know, Ferraris right. are expensive when when they when they're not well taken care of. Um, so it's always better to to pay a little bit more. And I, I think you you really shouldn't try to buy something in, in under the twos. I mean, it's definitely in the twos because I've seen and I get hired out to do inspections on these cars. And, um, and, uh, I look at stuff that's you know, to, to save $20,000, you're going to burn through $20,000 in a blink of an eye fixing yeah. those things that are, that are neglected. So it's always better to, to get a better car if you can. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, do we have one left or we have two left? The, we have, we have, we have one left, which is, we kind of touched on it earlier, which is the Dino. Oh, I sure. Mean, who, doesn't, yep. who doesn't like the Dino? I mean, yeah. it's just it's 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 ironic it's like the uh it's like the speedster right it's the cheap car that 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 uh, no one wanted and now everybody wants a you know yep. everybody wants a speedster and everybody wants a Dino. i mean you know for people and I, i'm actually surprised I, I i start to date myself i guess because and maybe sometimes it's people who just don't know cars that much but to to refresh people's memory dino is the ferrari as what scion is to toyota you know toyota created scion to kind of like you know make a lower brand for for an entry level into the into the Toyota market, they wanted to get young people to buy them, and and you know eventually they would sell their you know XD or whatever and buy a you know a Corolla or a Camry or something like that. But like a but like a Dino was kind of like Ferrari wasn't making you know they had this great engine, they had this great little Formula Two motor that the V6 motor that that they had developed, and and uh, they wanted to put it in a car, but they they didn't want to soil the name of Ferrari because they were basically selling you know V12 cars. They they didn't they were known for V12s. And so they created Dino um, to create this brand and badge it as a Dino with no Ferrari badges on at all to sell it as Dino through the Ferrari dealership. But, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't sold as a Ferrari uh, kind of yeah. a marketing problem because they couldn't sell them. <laughs> so they started putting Ferrari badges on them and people started buying them. But uh, no, they did start putting Ferrari badges on them. Is that true? I, I think that's that's what I heard. It's like, and I don't know if okay. it was from the factory. I think what happened was they were sitting on dealer lots and they couldn't sell them. So why not just go and get a Ferrari badge and put it on there? So they didn't explain that it was a Ferrari. I mean, I think that that was some of it. 
Some of the people just bought them and then put Ferrari badges on them. Uh, so, you know, it's a little bit, might be a little bit of folklore um, and, and logic to it. You know, if, if, a, if, a bro, if a dealer can't sell a car, well, what is he going to do to get it sold? You know, paint right. it red or put a Ferrari badge on it. Uh, so so that's, that's kind of what they did. But it's a great little car. I mean, I, I said, like I said earlier, there's something universally attractive uh to a uh, dino i mean it just it has a great shape it's low it's it, it handles really well it it, uh, it engages you uh when i first started driving dinos i used to say oh man it needs like 50 more horsepower it just it just doesn't it felt a little gutless but in reality of it all it wasn't the car it was me you know you you have to kind of step up a little bit you have to think a little bit when you're driving a dino you need to actually get the revs in the right place you need to be in the right gear right. you need to you need to think ahead about driving it and what that does is it when you succeed at doing that with a dino it pays you back because it actually comes through the turn perfectly and it, and it gives you just the right amount of feel as you're on the power but if you if you screw it up it's it, it just doesn't have it and you know sometimes with more powerful cars you don't notice your <laughs> the, la the lack of talent because the, the power makes up all the difference but but the dino kind of makes you work a little bit more for it um and and i think that it, it, it's a different car i mean everybody wants these huge horsepower cars but you know anybody could put their foot down and hold on yeah um but but like a dino on a on a sunday morning when when there's no traffic and and you got the windows open you're hearing that little that little v6 really likes to spin up and it makes it makes all the right noises. I think about back, you know, my first uh, my first drive in a in a two forty six GTS. You know, kind of I didn't get into my previous career, but I used to work for uh, for Letterman, and uh, Letterman let me drive his two forty six uh, GTS, and uh, that was like my first my first drive in a in a Dino. And uh, man, I tell you, I, I this, the vivid memory of me driving down Beverly Boulevard in L.A. from TV City and uh, rowing to the gears and just that click 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 sound of the of the little shifter and that little noise coming out of the of the back of the engine the, the, the cam noise and i was hooked i was just like man this is this is it this is where it is and and that's when i really said that that uh, i get it now this is this is what people love dinos so it's funny you're the actual second guest of mine that worked for david letterman and drove his dino oh yeah so can you tell me first the other one was spike ferriston can you tell me oh, yeah, i know spike yeah, yeah. So tell me, what did you do for Dave? I was an audio engineer. So oh, okay. I, I did audio for I, I, my career. I, I, my previous life was I was a, I was a television. I, I started working for CBS out of school. I went to art school, blah, 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 but ended up working for, for CBS Inc. And then um, when Letterman came to CBS, I, I, I was on, selected to be on the crew and uh, did audio. So I did all the band stuff. I worked with all the rock bands and set up and then i used to say like if you see a microphone on somebody in the 12 years that i worked for letterman i had something to do with that so <laughs> i had to go up and meet all the guests and and uh and put microphones on them and set up the rock bands and stuff so it was it was a lot of fun i mean i did that for for 12 years and and so letterman and i would talk about cars all the time and the same thing you know spike and and uh and seinfeld and 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 we all have our like you know car buddies that we uh yeah. went on, on downtime we're, we're we're just you know we're, it doesn't matter who it is that you're talking to if you're a car guy, I'm going to talk to you about it. So, like, you know, the, the crew would roll their eyes because it was like, oh, boy, here we go. Tom and Dave, car talk, you know, and, and, uh, and we would talk about cars. So that's how and Dave was generous enough, you know, when when 
you know, it was an opportunity that he let me drive his cars and, and uh, you know, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Does Dave still have his Dino? Yes, he does. Okay. Well, this particular car we have in the auction, I've looked it up, is a beautiful red with tan interior. I know that's not the right phrasing for either one of those colors, but it is a chairs and flares. So if mm -hmm. you would tell our uh, listeners a little bit about that option. Sure. Um, so chairs and flares, they put wider tires on it and um, and they, the chairs are Daytona. So what happened was the, the in 72, 71, when, when they came out with the Daytona, they had these, these uh, you know, special seats that they put in a Daytona. So it became an option that they were able to buy that as an option. And put that in a Dino, so it basically was a Daytona seat, and uh, and the and the flares were just to put a wider tire. Personally, I mean, this might sound blasphemous because everybody pays more money for a chairs and flares because it's all chairs and flares, chairs and flares, chairs and flares. But there's a small movement of Dino people who actually like the non-flared cars because it, the flare, when you really look at it, almost looks like an afterthought. I mean, it almost looks like just this curve of steel that they just added so that it would, you know, I'm sure there's like there's there's motor vehicles that you know uh, laws that you can't have the wheels the tires further out than the than the body. But how are you going to change the body of the Dino? Like it, you can't you can't. I mean, without having right. it look like a an aftermarket kit. So they they just put this like rolled flat lip that that just looks like a piece of steel that just goes out. And that's the flare. It's like boy, that's really not a creative flare. But but it it brings all the money. Everybody wants chairs and flares. They want the Daytona seats and the. The Daytona seats are definitely a little bit more comfortable. They're kind of cool, but the flares, well, you know, it's it's a personal taste. But it has become this this catchphrase of Dino's. Everybody wants the chairs and flares, but it does turn out that not everyone needs to have chairs and flares. Is it is it that much better of a Dino? I think Dino's. You're missing the point if you think that the the wider tires on a Dino is going to transform that car. It's 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 a wonderful car, regardless of how you know how it's set up. Yeah, and I did post a picture as you were talking of what the chairs and or the flares look like from the front. And boy, they really do very noticeable when you're looking at it directly from the front of the car. So that is that is interesting. That's a really good point. So the number on this car, because it's chairs and flares, is 550 to 650. And I'm looking at the pictures here, and this car is immaculate. That's one of the nicest yeah. ones I've seen, at least from pictures, in a long time. So uh, would you call that top of market there, 550 to 600? Or you feel like that's... Um it's probably, I mean, I think the 600 is getting close to the top of the market. I mean, Dino's are, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I always watch Dino prices because it's kind of like I, when I bought that 330 America, Dino's have always been like the same, almost right around the same price. So when, when uh, it was always watching those, because it was like, did I make the right choice? Did I buy the, you know, I bought my V12 because I wanted a V12. I didn't want a six cylinder car. But the thing is, it's always funny. You're watching the prices. So yeah. I think that it's it's strong these days. That price is stronger than what let's say a, a two plus two V twelve Ferrari is, but um, it's it's probably about right. I think the market is it's kind of funny. The market is is very unpredictable these days because some cars are exploding and some cars are lagging. Like I said, you know, usually they kind of all keep up with each other. And why is the GTCs? You know, GTCs at one point when Dinos were a half a million, GTCs were seven hundred thousand dollars. Right. Well, right now, Dinos are back to a half a million. Why are the GTCs still languishing down in the in the in the fives? It's it, they right. haven't caught up. So sometimes, if you're bright on the market, you might be able to buy something before it catches up. Then all of a sudden, it becomes the 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 the, uh, the sleeper car that came out. So I think the the two forty six GTS uh, Dino is always going to be popular. It may be at the it's the it's the it's the bellwether. It's that's the one that's setting the market right now. So it's probably right. I mean, there's a lot of it's. 
lot of money, a lot of car for, you know, in a collection, no one is going to ask you why you own a Dino in your collection. If you're putting right. a collection of cars together, I don't see why a Dino isn't in your collection. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, it has become known as one of the prettiest, most balanced handling driving cars out there, especially from yeah, a Ferrari perspective. Yeah. yeah, it's certainly cheaper than a Lusso. Yeah, that's true. What are Lusos now? <laughs> Two and a half, three and a half? Uh, I, I just, a customer of mine just got one for, for the high ones. But uh, yeah, they're, okay. they're in the high ones to twos. But you know, some of the nice ones are twos. But two, the problem when they're asking twos is it's got to be damn near perfect. Yeah. I mean, in the in between the one six and one nine era uh, area of price, you, you, there's a lot of movement, and I think that's where they're they're pricing. When someone's asking all the money, which is the one nine to two, um, which was the high mark previously, you know, let's say five years ago, um, I, I I think it needs to be perfect. The reason being is to make a one five car into a $2 million car, you got to spend a half a million, if not more to, right. to basically start all over. So if, you know, you, if, if he's asking 2 million, if I don't, I don't want to have to fix anything. I don't right. want to have to redo the Chrome. I don't want to have to redo the seats. I don't want to do anything because that's all the money I could take a one five car and, and make that with a, with a half a million, but it's just, it's just about what you're paying for. I, I, Yes, buy the best you can. If I wanted to take a car to Cavalino or, or uh, you know, some people say that Lucas are too pedestrian for uh, for Pebble Beach, but uh, let's say you want to take it to, uh, to to Concorso Italiano or something, you want to win a platinum. Um, it, it that's what you'd have to be looking for is a perfect, perfect car at two million. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, I appreciate your time today talking Ferraris. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and? Uh... I don't know. Um, they want to yeah, reach out to have their Ferrari worked on. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if I, if I have the time. But yeah, I have, I have a whole bunch of ways. You can find me, uh, most of it is uh, T-O-M-Y-A-N-G dot net, uh, which is my website. Um, like I said, I pronounce it Yang, but it is spelled Yang. Um, so it's T-O-M-Y-A-N-G dot net. And also YouTube stuff. Uh, the same thing. If you look up my name, T-O-M-Y-A-N-G net. On YouTube, I've got a little YouTube channel, not a big one, but it's, it deals with just furniture. I'm not surprised I'm not setting the YouTube world on fire because it's not a ton of people who give a crap about the inner workings of a vintage Ferrari, but that's kind of like what I've been doing. It's just, I want to pull the curtain aside. I mean, enough of these uh, driving pictures and these cliches about, about vintage Ferraris. This is the nitty gritty. This is the stuff where you get your hands dirty and you actually take stuff apart and you can actually see what they, what makes you tick. That's awesome. That's great. And I'll put all these links in the description. So folks can find you. So thanks again, Tom, for being on the Collector Car Podcast. My pleasure. And I'll see you out there. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.